Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life. Anna Victoria here. And Luca here as well. Hi, guys. So today's guest is Elisa Vitti, who is the founder of flowliving.com, a virtual destination for women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s to learn how to naturally balance their hormone and reproductive issues with her proprietary pro-hormonal five-step dietary process that treats the root cause of endocrine dysfunction. She's been featured on the Dr. Oz show, has a web series on Lifetime, and is a regular contributor to Women's Health, Mind Body Green, and the Huffington Post. She also pens Yahoo Health's Hormone Whisperer column and serves on their advisory board. She also is an author and she has written two books, most recently in The Flow. So Luca, you're going to have so much to say about this topic, right? Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I don't, I'm not going to have a machine point to that, yeah. I'm interested to just hear about, you know, I really want to know like why so many women have hormonal issues right now. Like, is it a case of where we're just more aware of it, more focused on it? So it kind of makes it seem like there is a rise of hormonal issues or are we actually due to various environmental factors um, actually having, you know, in, increased cases. So yeah, so here is my conversation with Elisa Vitti. Hi, Elisa. Thank you so much for joining. How are you? I'm so happy to be here, Anna. Thanks for having me. Of course. Do you want to start by sharing a bit about who you are and what you're about? Sure. So I'm the founder of Flow Living, and I'm the author of Woman Code and my new book, In the Flow. I'm also the creator of the My Flow period tracking app, and I am um, a women's hormonal health expert and a femtech founder who's on a mission to up-level women's hormonal health care. That's great. We have an app, so I'm very into the whole app world, and I love all the techie stuff, especially like I feel like these days with um, women becoming more conscious of like tracking their fertility and their cycle, I feel like you can't do it without an app these days. Like you can, but it's going to be, you know, a lot more difficult. I think it's helpful to use technology to, you know, allow us to interact more efficiently with our bodies and our health. And why not? You know, if it's yeah. here, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So how did you get started in the whole like uh, hormonal health and fertility and the period world, I guess you could say. So for me, I struggled with my own hormonal health issues when I was in my teens and 20s. And I, if you can imagine, I was covered face, chest and back in cystic acne. I was obese at 210 pounds and I didn't menstruate or ovulate for the decade between 12 and 22. And for seven of those years, no one really knew what was wrong with me. I went to doctor after doctor and I kind of always got the same answer, which was, just go on the pill. Who knows? Band-aid. I just didn't really like that idea of not knowing, right. you know, what, what, cause I really could feel that something was so fundamentally disrupted yeah. and it wasn't just the physical symptoms. There was also mental health issues around anxiety and depression and insomnia. And it just really affected the quality of my life. And so once I finally did do my own research and figure out 
um, that I likely had polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. I went to my gynecologist and we did some confirmatory testing, blood work and transvaginal ultrasounds and all those Mm -hmm. wonderful things. And she said, you're right, you do have this. And I said, okay, great. Now what? And then now what really was the life-changing moment because she basically sort of shared that all the different symptoms that I would continue to have and would get likely worse, including, you know, infertility and all their diseases of inflammation, that we would just, the best that we could do from the conventional medical point of view was just to sort of medicate along the way. And I I asked one question was, are any of those treatments going to fix Mm -hmm. what's off? And she said, no not the pill, not any of the metformin, none of the medications is going to cure you. So I just said, I'm going to find a different way. And that really shifted my, certainly my personal journey, but definitely my life's work because I saw in that moment, two things. One, we're suffering as women more than we should be with our hormones. And two, the conventional model for gynecology doesn't have enough tools Mm -hmm. in its arsenal to deal with these chronic systemic metabolic autoimmune inflammatory based conditions that then sort of make us more vulnerable hormonally. And I just thought if I could do something to help myself that I would also want to build a platform that would allow women everywhere to just get out of hormonal chaos faster and get back into what I like to call hormonal flow. Yeah. And how did you get started building that platform? What were the early days like? The early days actually was 10 years just in practice, meaning I would see patients one-on-one and really sort of just evolving the protocol that I used, for example, to clear up my skin and restore my ovulation and my cycle. And then once I saw that we had women from different places all over the world, different time zones, different geographical areas, I said, gee, I've got to find a way to use technology to bring this to women so that it's not just when they can schedule time with me. And so that's how Flow Living was born. Mm -hmm. It's always been a digital telehealth kind of company where you can do our protocol online through our video um, tutorials. You can get one-on-one coaching with our Flow coaches. You can get the supplements that are, you know, customized for your hormonal issues. Uh, you can download the app. It's, it's basically a whole suite of products that make dealing with period problems, fertility issues, perimenopause, just easier because it's already hard enough when you're dealing with the symptoms, trying to figure out, you know, on Dr. Google, what to do, which right. things you should try. Mm-hmm. It can be very overwhelming. And I know I was myself overwhelmed when I originally had my diagnosis too. So I think that there's just got to be a better way. And I hope that Flow Living is serving that need. Yeah, well, it sounds like you guys were ahead of the curve because now, I mean, unfortunately, you know, like due to a COVID world, we're all in telehealth. I mean, because I was just pregnant and now uh, postpartum and I'm still having doctor's appointments, everything is telehealth, you know, like virtual. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that wouldn't have been the case, right? Before. Honestly, I thought a decade ago or more that this was yeah. something that women would prefer because I don't know right. about you, but women are busy, much busier than, you know, let's say our male counterparts, because we have, especially when you're a mom, you have a lot more of this um, invisible work that many other experts have talked about, where it's kind of just on you to manage all the details of the kids, doctors and dentists in school. And did they remember their backpack? And did you pack the sandwich (laughs) right shape and all these things. And then you have to figure out how to get yourself to your own Mm -hmm. medical care, which so much of it can be done 
virtually some cannot, but those that can be, how wonderful to save some time from the comfort of your own home. Yeah, absolutely. We need every assist we can get. (laughs) So um, in regards to how you began starting to heal yourself, where did you start? Like uh, doctors weren't giving you answers. So did you just, um, were there supplements you tried, a diet? What was that approach like? Oh my goodness. I tried so many things. Um, I I worked with naturopaths and herbalists and acupuncturists and acupressurists and I tried all sorts of things from green powders to one naturopath really was convinced I had an overgrowth of candida, which I did not. But anyway, I did a sort of anti-candida diet and another practitioner really was concerned about my liver congestion. So I was drinking carrot juice every day, but I was dedicated yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a citizen scientist in my own body. And so- yeah. Even though I wasn't get, achieving any results, I was very invested in the experimental process, meaning yeah. like if we were going to do four weeks of carrot juice every day as breakfast with green pond scum powder in it, then yeah. I was going to do that. And I, at one point, my best friend grabbed me and like put me in front of the mirror and she's like, um, sweetheart, you have turned orange, <gasps> paler shade of orange. I'm like, I see that. You literally <laughs> did? I literally had that much carrot juice. I mean, I was committed to, you know, following through. And what was excellent about that was that Mm -hmm. all of these different extreme things that these practitioners had put me to try, I really knew at the end of the day, because I completed all those experiments that, that I didn't have to keep going back to them. They didn't work. So we wanted to do something else. And in that process, I was also doing my own research into now this is 20 years ago and we didn't have this term, but functional nutrition yeah. and looking at what was coming out of the human genome project around epigenetics and how we can, the only two levers we have to manipulate our epigenome are food and lifestyle. Yeah. And then really kind of um, starting to understand that actually if we approach the endocrine system in a particular order, right, in a, mm-hmm. in a sequence, a correct sequence, then we can start to allow it to have the inner environment that allows it to do its job optimally. So it isn't so much about trying to fix the acne or get the period back or deal with your cramps or boost your fertility in that way. It's about how do you give your body what it needs so that it can really perform the way it's designed. In your experience, is there anything in particular that you feel is contributing to the issues that women are having today with their hormones. And I first want to ask, do you think that, cause if you, if you talk to almost any woman, I feel like you'll hear at least one hormonal issue that she's having. Like it's, you know, it seems rampant, like a, a huge increase in hormonal issues, but is the, is it truly an increase statistically, or is it just that we are more conscious and aware and it's an area that we are paying attention to more now, whereas before it just wasn't talked about as much. No, no, actually the recent study has come out, which is part of some of the data that I put in my new book, that 50% of women are struggling with hormonal imbalances. Wow. And we still think that that's being underreported yeah. because we often don't connect the dots that mm-hmm. certain symptoms could be connected to our hormonal system. Right. And that's because we lack enough of a basic understanding about how our female biology works. Why do I think women are struggling to this extent? Why now? In fact, this is why I wrote my second book, because I was looking around thinking, how can it be that 50% of women are struggling when just about five years ago, Anna, we had something really unprecedented happen, which was 
I don't know if you remember the sort of menstrual movement that took place online in the wellness world and well and good and mind, body, green. They, they sort of um, made them this like mainstream theme of the year or sort of, sort of topic of the year. And it was so interesting because we had more articles written about you know, how to help your cycle, how to help your period, how to have a better hormonal life. And we had millennials taking to social media, doing things like free bleeding, you know, on the internet. And I thought this is historic. I mean, it's historic. We have global dissemination of this content where women have not had access to this kind of busting of the taboos and deconstructing mythology around what periods should be like. So I've been watching carefully to see, you know, okay, women are going to start to feel better and get better and less symptoms. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened. Mm. So then I started digging deeper. I said, well, what is fundamentally happening here? And what I found was that there was this fundamental issue. The first is that women are being left out of fitness, nutrition, and often medical research. And this is a big problem because that means that things like any diet or fitness program that you've been told is the holy grail, you know, like HIIT workouts every day are are the gold standard or intermittent fasting every day is the best way to maintain your metabolic speed. Turns out those studies are done on men and sometimes include postmenopausal women, but oftentimes, most of the time, women in their reproductive years are left out. And I was digging through the research to find, well, are there contraindications? There are tons. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that we as women don't know that we have a second biological clock that governs six key systems of our body. So we all know about the circadian rhythm, right? And we know that it would be a really bad thing for your health if you were to sleep for five minutes and then be up for three days, right? Right. You'd get sick. (laughs) immediately you feel not good immediately and then you'd have all sorts of cascading effects we have a second biological clock called the infradian rhythm okay i'm going to spell it so that you know (laughs) i'll need t-shirts i-n-f-r-a-d-i-a-n infradian and this biological rhythm occurs not in the 24-hour period that the circadian rhythm occurs in but in the 28 day over the course of your cycle. But just like the circadian rhythm affects more than when you're asleep and when you're awake, Mm -hmm. right? It governs when your blood pressure is higher, when your bowels are active, et cetera. The infradian rhythm affects way more than just when you have your bleed. It affects, turns out, your brain, your metabolism, your microbiome, your stress response system, your immune system, and your reproductive system, which is the three parts of your period, your fertility, and your sex drive, right? Yeah. So let's just back up and look at the big picture. Why are so many women suffering? Is it just endocrine disruptors? No, it's that we are fundamentally taking care of ourselves in a way that disrupts this infradian rhythm because it's being left out of all this research. Every single diet, every single thing that you've tried is based on male hormonal biology and is disrupting yours. And that's why you have symptoms with brain fog or mental health issues like I had with anxiety and depression, uh, why your metabolism isn't operating optimally, why your microbiome, your immune system, your stress response system, and of course, your period, fertility and sex drive, right? Right. All of these systems are connected via the infradian rhythm. So it was really exciting to put this together and not just to paint a picture frame around the problem, but also to really help women understand, well, what do we do now? And that's what the book talks about. It really shares about the cycle syncing method, which is 
this method that I put together to help you take care of your infradian rhythm by eating, exercising, and organizing your time according to these infradian changes. And so I'll do a quick example because it's such a new concept. But for example, so many of us have been taught like, oh, we're just smaller versions of men with slower metabolism. So we need to restrict calories more and work out harder to get our results. Well, I don't know about you. I've maintained a 60 pound weight loss for 20 years. And I had a pregnancy where I gained most of that back and then lost it again. Mm -hmm. And never did I do that whole thing of like restricting calories and over-exercising because I knew (laughs) how my metabolism worked. And here's how it works. In the first half of your cycle, in the follicular Mm -hmm. and ovulatory phases, your metabolism is slower. So you want to eat fewer calories and you want to do all your cardio high-intensity workouts the trifecta of matching your metabolic speed with calorie intake and intensity of workouts creates that optimal fat utilization and lean muscle gain. In the second half of the cycle, in the luteal phase, and the studies are Mm -hmm. really clear, and the US women's soccer team uses this infradian knowledge to train their athletes to huge success. In the luteal phase and the menstrual phase, if your metabolism speeds up, you need 279 more calories per day, precisely, exactly exactly 279. And you cannot do high intensity interval training once you pass ovulation because of your elevated levels of resting cortisol, which will then, if you do too much intensification Mm -hmm. of working out, you're going to actually tell your body, your hormones are going to cascade to program your body to store fat and gain fat. So if you do the right workouts at the right time and eat the right amount of foods at the right time, you can really optimize this infradian metabolic pattern. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So I have a few questions. This is great. So as someone who I'm a numbers person and also being in fitness and dealing with heart rates and intensities and things like that, is there a point at which for someone to not go into high intensity interval training, heart rate zones, is there a heart rate zone or level that you would recommend that they stay below? Is, is that something that has been researched? I believe that it has. I don't happen to have that number off okay. the top of my head, but I know um, that I likely included that information yeah. in the studies and linked in the book. But what I will say is whatever feels high intensity for you. Yes. So, you know, HIIT workouts are great in that first half in the follicular and the ovulatory once you're done ovulating, you can still do a serious workout. I'm not uh-huh. saying lay down and take a nap. Right, what right. I'm saying is maybe just don't go for a run or jump up and down, but do strength train, right? You can lift, right. squat up against the wall until you can't feel your knees anymore yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You hold the plank till you fall down, like the, that type of a thing where you're not running from one exercise to another or lift heavy Mm -hmm. weights slowly. Mm -hmm. Excellent kind of workouts to do the luteal phase. And then in the menstrual phase, when so many of us are struggling with cramps, which of course that's unnecessary too. And we can talk about how you can eat your way out of cramps in about two months. Um, You know, you want to think about what feels good for you, just depending on the severity of your symptoms at that time. So maybe take a walk, maybe do Pilates, maybe do a yoga class but modulate that based on what your needs are. I like that you pointed out, you know, that they need to focus on whatever feels high intensity for them, because like, even with those heart rate zones, like there are calculations, I believe it's 220 minus your age. And then you take like 60 to 70% of that would be the max heart rate zone for, let's say, you know, the lower end of a HIIT workout. 
for example. But like that really also depends on if you are a conditioned individual, if you are athletic or not, or if you're a beginner, like that is going to skew what makes your heart rate jump up. So um, if I were to be in my luteal phase, so I should be doing low impact workouts that don't make my heart rate skyrocket pretty much. It's a good way. Right. And focus on building lean muscle. Yes. Because at this time, your body is utilizing stored fat more because your metabolism has sped up. So you can take advantage of that, right? You're biohacking each phase of your cycle, so to speak, by really tailoring um, what you're doing with self-care through each phase. And by the way, this is not a new concept. It's new for us as as females, but old news for men. Men have been cycle syncing, so to speak, for millennia. So male hormonal biology follows the circadian pattern, which is why a lot of typical programs will say, get up early in the morning, do your workout first thing in the morning, right? And front load calories accordingly. Well, that really optimizes male hormonal patterns because what do men do while they're sleeping? They make all their testosterone that they're going to have access to, to build lean muscle and have a healthy sex drive and all of that overnight for the next day. It's extremely advantageous for males to wake up at 5 or 6 a.m., do their, their intense workout, their, their strength training, et cetera, do their deep work, et cetera. And then as the day progresses and they start to have that sort of decrease in testosterone and cortisol, that they shift into more social activities. I mean, if we even look at corporate happy hour, that's exactly at the time when men have less testosterone in their bloodstream, less cortisol in their bloodstream, more open to socializing. And then of course they go home, get into the man cave and get to bed (laughs) so they can make all their testosterone for the next day. So this is a great example of what the cycle syncing method looks like applied to male biology, timing workouts, diet, and what they're working on at work Mm -hmm. to take advantage of their hormonal patterns as it affects their metabolism, their energy, their moods, their brain chemistry, right? And we as women should be doing the same because what we have been doing instead is adopting a lifestyle, an exercise plan, a nutrient calorie plan that's all you know, optimizing male biology and it's disruptive to ours. Now you mentioned about men waking up and getting their workout in. Is that um, something that is or isn't optimal for female health or hormone health? It depends on which phase of the cycle you're in. Got it. Okay. So (laughs) in the first, so that's the thing. I love that it opens up a new type of question. Like before you would just get the question of like, well, what's the perfect diet? What's the perfect workout? What's the right time of day? It was very binary. It's either or. I think we should stop asking what as women, and we should start asking when. When should I do these things? So you can do a high intensity workout in the morning during the first half of your cycle, follicular and ovulatory, because your resting cortisol levels are lower, your metabolism is slower, it will be great. You'll have the energy to do that. Plus estrogen is surging, you're gonna feel social. You may even wanna go to an early morning class whenever we can be together again in person, right? (laughs) All that kind of stuff. In the second half of your cycle, it would not be optimal to do the workouts first thing in the morning because you have higher resting levels of cortisol. If you were to do that workout on an empty stomach especially, going to disrupt blood sugar for the rest of the day and elevate cortisol even more, which is going to make your PMS, which you shouldn't have in the first place, more symptomatic, right? More anxiety, more brain fog, more fatigue. When if you just 
ate a proper calorie dense, slow burning carbohydrate, high fat, high protein breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. In the morning to set your blood sugar up for success, keep your cortisol levels in check, and then do a low intensity workout mid morning, lunch break, afternoon, whenever feels good for you. The whole reason I named the book In the Flow. Yeah like a triple play on words. Like one, we want to be in the flow of our infrading rhythm, but two, I want you to really trust your intuitive understanding and relationship with your own body, right? You know that you've lived an experience where you've gone to a boot camp class, right? One part of the month and you walk out of that class, you crush the class, you're flying, you've so much energy. You're like, let me do another yeah. one, right? Yeah. I, I, I've had that too. Yeah. And then a couple weeks later, you go back to the same class and you're like, oh my, get me out of here. If I could just melt out of the door without anybody seeing me. And, but you stick with the whole class and then you're, reco- you're exhausted for a day and a half. And instead of thinking, what was wrong with the timing of that class for me? You think, what was wrong with me? Right. right? Because we haven't been empowered with the correct understanding and education about how our hormones work, how our cycles are affected by the infrading rhythm, how our metabolism is affected by this rhythm. So you just think that you can and should do the same thing with food, exercise, and life every single day. But you can, it's just not the smartest way to go about it, right? You can work smarter and get better results with less stress on your body, right? Why work hard? I I don't, uh, you know. (laughs) Right, work smarter, (laughs) not harder. (laughs) So my question is, is that as someone who went through unexplained infertility and two years of trying to conceive and trying to track my cycle and all this, so I was using OPKs, which are ovulation predictor kits, which Mm -hmm. if you don't know and you're listening, I would have to pee on these sticks every single morning and it would try to detect my LH surge and that your LH um, surge happens when you're theoretically going to ovulate. I do just want to say for anyone that is trying to conceive and using these, what I found out to be kind of a bit of an issue with these is that it only detects a surge. It doesn't detect your actual ovulation, only like an intravaginal ultrasound can do that. So that's kind of one area of my like TTC journey that like I was relying on so much that maybe was like kind of not really giving me the full picture. But with that being said, um, how do you suggest for someone to know exactly when they're in their uh, follicular phase and then in their luteal phase if they don't know exactly when they're ovulating? It's a process of getting to know your cycle. So many of us are so disconnected from our cycle, right? Like basically here's the journey of like being a woman in this day and age, right? You're a child. I have a a little girl. She was about to turn six, right? You're like, okay, I'm just like me. And then all of a sudden, like in sixth grade, you're told this thing is going to (laughs) happen. And your reaction is, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Right. And so you, your young adult years are really spent when they should be spent getting familiar with this process and falling in love with this new biological rhythm that makes you able to 3D print tiny human beings should you yeah. want to, right. right? The combination of the infradian clock activating with the circadian clock is what makes that yeah, happen, right? right? <laughs> and instead of us being so dazzled and enchanted by this new energy in our body and getting to learn these ebbs and flows and what does it feel like when I'm follicular, yeah. not just hormonally, but how do I feel mentally? How do I feel mood-wise? How do I feel energy-wise? What's my appetite like, right? What are my interests about? How do I feel when I'm ovulatory? How do I feel when I'm luteal? And really getting 
intimate with that experience in your own body, right? It's called proprioception. We miss a decade of that easily. And then often by the time we want to, let's say, try to conceive, we have no sense of when we're ovulating or what, yep. what, it, what any, so most women, when I teach, we don't even know what the other phases mm-hmm. are called because we're just given such a bad education. You know, it's, we all come by this, honestly, I, I feel, and it should just be updated. Yeah. So what I would say a best way to get started would be there's two ways. There's sort of the intuitive, take your time, get to know yeah. yourself kind of way, which you can do by using the app like MyFlow. Mm-hmm where it's going to help you get to know these different attributes and qualities of each phase as you track yourself. And of course, it's precise around your, your cycle phases. But then if you want to be, you know, if you are someone who's trying to conceive and you want to be spot on exact, yeah. gold standard is basal body temperature tracking because you don't just see the LH surge, you see the whole process that's going to really help you understand and pinpoint exactly where ovulation is taking place. The good news is, though, when, for the purposes of cycle thinking, right, and applying this method to your food, fitness, and lifestyle, there is no, let's say, cliff between one phase and the next. It's a, wait for it, low. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> right? we go. <laughs> so it's okay if you, let's say, because we're talking about food and lifestyle, for that to be, uh, have a gray area between, let's say, you know, oh, you do an extra day of HIIT workouts. You didn't realize you were already in the luteal phase. That's okay. You're going to, at a point, you are definitely going to feel that transition from your ovulatory estrogen surge, high energy and, you know, phase to a more balanced inward focused phase. And then you switch, right? You'll also notice if you do the wrong workout at the wrong time, let's say, which I've done as well. I've done like, sometimes I just want to do like, oh, I just want to go for one more run. I know I'm in my luteal phase and I do this. I, I talked about this in the book. And I'm always experimenting. So I go do that other, you know, hit workout or cardio. I'm fine during the workout, but then after my blood sugar really, I pay the price. You know, I have like a little hypoglycemia dip and then I yeah. have to take a whole day to recover. So I'm like, okay, well, lesson learned. I guess, <laughs> you know, what this wants and what my body needs are two different things. Even when you quote unquote get it wrong, you're learning about how to interact with your body and support your body and trust your intuition more. And I think that that's what's much more valuable about applying this as a method as opposed to, again, what you've been conditioned to do, which is, well, just tell me the calories, tell me when to do, like, you know, and it's opposed, what I want you to do is to really be the guru of your own healthcare. And that's, that involves you to be really, you know, participating and, and being involved and not passive about it. And so it's definitely not a diet. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's probably the hardest part for women to like really get in tune with themselves and really kind of um, adopt this whole approach of the, and let me see if I say it correctly, infradium rhythm. Infradium. Like, so the cycle thinking method infra- and really, yes. yes. I mean, I, first of all, I think it's such a shock for us to understand but it's also very validating in the sense that you, as I describe these different changes, you know, and we haven't even talked about the brain chemistry effects of your infradian cycle, you know, some, for example, during your ovulation phase, that surge of estrogen hyper stimulates your verbal and social centers, right? So in the cycle syncing method, there's actually a time management planner in chapter six that is the first ever to incorporate both the infradian and the circadian rhythm so that you can plan 
right? Wouldn't it be like, we're all burning out. We're all doing too much. We're all trying to do the same amount of work each and every day. And just like we know, it's not good to eat the same calories every day because your metabolism changes. And now we know because of our understanding of the infrading, it's not good to do the same intensity of workouts day over day. It's also not optimal to try to squeeze the same amount of work and productivity day over day when you have these natural superpowers that happen biochemically in your brain, right? That's just during ovulation, during the luteal phase, which is the most maligned phase, although it's probably my favorite. Why? Why is it my favorite? Because we have the introduction of progesterone. Mm -hmm. Progesterone in your brain chemistry is, and you were just pregnant, so you know, you remember the feeling, calm, focused. You were probably un- recognizably to yourself productive and creative during your second trimester and maybe even into the first half of Mm -hmm. your third trimester because of that progesterone. Women have access to that every month for 10 to 14 days in the luteal phase. Why wouldn't you plan in your monthly project plan to do social facing interviews, presentations, brainstorm with your team during the ovulatory phase, and then carve out time where you're not doing meetings and do deep work in your luteal phase where you can apply that superpower of the progesterone affecting your brain onto the things that you're working on. Now, what do you say for someone who that has chronically low progesterone? Because in my, since I had unexplained infertility, I was always on a fact finding, you know, like treasure hunt, so to speak of why is this not working? All my tests are coming back normal. I suspect low progesterone was one of the things. So for someone in, in my case that has low progesterone, what do you suggest for them? Oh, it's not just low progesterone that can prevent you from really fully in, you know, taking advantage of the cycle syncing method. It could be PCOS, amenorrhea, um, you know, mm-hmm. adrenal hyperplasia. You could be on birth synthetic birth control. Um, mm-hmm. There are many things that you know. If you're at the place where your cycle is disrupted somehow, where you're having acute symptoms. So when I say acute, I mean not garden variety PMS. Even though garden variety PMS is in fact the situation in which you have insufficient amount of progesterone during the luteal phase, right? Sorry, what is garden variety PMS? Meaning what we call, everyone calls PMS. Bloating, you know, acne, mood swings, fatigue, what we have been conditioned to think is normal. Those are actually, uh, you know, a set of Mm -hmm. symptoms that indicate that you have more estrogen and insufficient levels of progesterone because the luteal phase should have more progesterone than estrogen. So a lot of us, due to these hormonal imbalances are insufficient with progesterone. You know, and the book has this whole section biohacking these these issues, right? So if you have any issues that you're aware of PCOS or you have an issue with your fertility that you're working on, you want to address that first. And there are specific steps that I've outlined for women in the book, In the Flow, Um, definitely recruiting significant micronutrient therapy and doing Mm. some key steps to really stabilize blood sugar, handle your gut, Um, work on um, estrogen metabolism are going to be key pieces of that process. So many of us as women have become depleted with the very key micronutrients that we need to have our endocrine systems work properly. For example, 93% of all idiopathic, meaning no known cause infertility is Mm -hmm. due to a vitamin D3 deficiency. 93% of infertility is due to a vitamin D3 deficiency. 
why are women so depleted in their micronutrients? Mm -hmm. And that just affects your fertility, right? It also affects what is the basis of your fertility? A healthy mm -hmm. cycle, right? So if it's affecting, if D3 deficiency is affecting your fertility, it's already affected your cycle, right? By the time it shows up on the level of your fertility. And why have we gotten so depleted? Well, improper, excessive dieting, excessive working out, not honoring our infradian rhythm, right? With calories, mm -hmm. with intensity of workouts. Um, birth control pills, for example, or any sort of synthetic birth control really depletes our micronutrients dramatically. And you can be depleted for years after you stop taking it if you don't know what micronutrients to take to replenish. Um, we have a whole free report on that at Flow Living that you get. We call it the birth control rehab guide. What what do you need to take? Um, you know, because it's just so oh, that's an issue. great. Such yeah. an issue for women. And, and again, especially when it gets into the conversation of fertility, um, you feel like you're in a crisis because you so desperately want to be pregnant and then that stress, it's overwhelming. So, you know, I think reminding yourself that things are not happening for no reason. The, from a functional medicine point of view, there's definitely some sort of micronutrient deficiency going on. And then, of course, caffeine, stress, yeah. right, dehydration, all of these things are contributing to our day over day micronutrient depletion. And just like you know, you would manage your checkbook, right? What happens if you keep taking money out of your bank account, you don't put any back in, right? It's not a good situation. And so you yourself from a micronutrient standpoint can be very much in the red and not even connect those dots to your symptoms. But it's a key part of, of working your way out of that deficit. Um, vitamin D was one of the few supplements that, you know, my uh, re reproductive endocrinologist prescribed. Um, early on in my TTC journey, I would, you know, talk to my girlfriends about like, what do I do? You know, and they'd be like, oh, so-and-so, my friend said, you know, that a nurse told her to take this list of supplements. And it was a long list. And I did have my cabinet stocked full of all these supplements, like royal jelly and, oh gosh, acai, you know, all, the, all these things. And after a few months, nothing happening, you know, and eventually we went to see an RE and vitamin D and fish oil and, and a prenatal was really kind of all that they suggested. And I guess also after, you know, doing blood work and all that stuff, but is there anything else that you suggest for someone who is wanting to optimize their fertility to take? I'm sure I know it's a very individual thing. First, you want to do some basic work on your hormones as a whole. The, the monthly flow program that sort of my first book, Woman Code, talks through the flow yeah. protocol. You really want to, if you want the supplements to work, right, you have to be taking care of the ecosystem as well. You can't, it. It, you can't have one without the other. It's yeah. not going to be as effective for you. So you can absolutely start taking supplements, and I do have some others to add to that list. What I would suggest first, though, is really dialing in your blood sugar stability, right? Even if that, if you don't even know what that means, get your doctor to prescribe you a glucometer so you can track your fasting and postprandial response to combinations of food, right? So that you know, oh, gee, this spiked my insulin. Anytime you have an insulin spike, we're now going to throw off ovulation. So if you're really serious about trying to conceive, you've got to keep your blood yeah. sugar levels really stable every day. This is a really great biohack for the fertility conversation. 
So that's step one of the flow protocol. Step two is really managing that cortisol output. Because again, when cortisol levels are too chronically elevated, that also disrupts ovulation, can stop it from happening altogether. So that's no good. And it can decrease the production of progesterone, chronically elevated cortisol. How do we have chronically elevated cortisol? Not eating the right calories at the right phase of your cycle, working out too intensively the same way every day, not taking into consideration your infradian rhythm and life stress, right? And then the third thing is really figuring out how to enhance and increase your estrogen metabolism. Excess estrogen is a huge problem for women everywhere because we are overexposed to xenoestrogenic chemicals and we're micronutrient depleted and so we're just not making enough progesterone to oppose things on a regular basis. And so that's problematic for your cycle, right? and your fertility. So using foods to help the liver, you know, break down estrogen and in the gut, making sure that your transit time, meaning you have regular bowel movements that don't need to be stimulated by uh, outside sources or caffeine is a great indicator. So those are the three like basic steps you'd want to take first. And again, these are all covered in great detail and monthly flow on our website. And then you want to add in these supplements. So definitely vitamin D3, definitely a fish oil. Um, Depending on, you know, your situation, you can look into, like, for example, if you have PCOS, the research Mm -hmm. is very clear that you should be taking myo-inositol to help with ovulation and egg quality. Um, Everyone, men and women, when they're trying to conceive, should be taking coenzyme Q10. It boosts both sperm and egg quality. So you definitely want to, and the ubiquinol form of that is really- I was going to say, yeah. Ubiquinol, yeah, do you say that one over the other? 100% ubiquinol is more bioavailable, so for sure. And then you can look at some things that are helped with inflammation, again, around um, egg quality and and inflammation Mm -hmm. in the body. So N-acetylcysteine and our alpha lipoic acid, vitamin E. There are lots of different things that you can take to really have your body the least stressed and, you know, least inflamed so that you have the best possible egg for the moment of conception and keep in mind that you know what you're doing three months ago will impact the egg that could be fertilized three months from that three months before yeah (laughs) right so i think it's really about playing the long game and not just when you're trying to conceive but let's take our cycles more seriously in our teens and 20s if you have problems as a teenage girl or you're a mom and your daughter is struggling with her period this is not the time to put her on medication because she's so young she has the best chance of recovering fast right a little tweak to a young woman's body in terms of food and supplements and lifestyle will have very fast results because she hasn't gotten down into the deficit hole for very too, for too long. She's so young, right? right? So take the opportunity to teach her how to take care of her cycle. There's a whole section in the book about how moms can empower their teen daughters to cycle sync with them. And then if you're in your twenties and you're like not thinking about kids and you know, you're not going to be dealing yeah. with that, but you do know that you want them. Yeah. Think about what you're doing today is going to protect and preserve your future fertility. You don't want to wait till there's a crisis. The crisis mm-hmm. being that you can't get pregnant. Right. You want to do everything that you can to take care of your hormones so that when you're ready, everything's ready for you. Yeah. So something that you mentioned earlier on was about cramps. Oh, yes. You can eat your way out of cramps. <laughs> yeah. Let's dive into that. So cramps are uh, one of the biggest period myths. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, it's, you're supposed to suffer. It's going to be painful. Yeah. There's nothing you can do if your mom mm-hmm. had bad periods and your aunts and like, that's your destiny. It's malarkey actually. Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that your uterus is controlled by prostaglandins, which are these hormones in the body. And you have three of them. So let's just ask an existential question, okay, Anna? If nature designed you to be in pain, like let's just, mm. let's just sort of like just bump into this myth. If nature designed you to be in pain and you have three of these prostaglandins that control uterine activity, how many of them would control uterine contraction? No idea. Well, at least, <laughs> at least two, right? Two right. out of the three, if not all three, right? Yeah. Well... The reality is nature has not designed you to be in pain because two out of the three prostaglandins control uterine relaxation. Hmm. Only one little prostaglandin controls uterine contraction. And of course, because nature is extremely efficient, it wants to use the least amount of effort to get the biggest result. So it would have one prostaglandin that would cause the contraction to help the endometrium shed but it would have twice as many to cause relaxation because this Uh, should not be painful for you, right? Okay, yeah. Now, why is it that women have cramps, you ask? I have the (laughs) answer. Because it's because when we eat bad fats, right? Seed Mm -hmm. oils, canola oil, fats that are not rich in omega-3 fatty acids, it boosts the production of PGE number two that causes uterine contraction, and it suppresses the production of PGE one and three that cause uterine relaxation. So now you're having more PGE two, more cramping, and no relaxation. So if you want to get rid of your cramps, this is most women. Now, of course, if you're suffering with endometriosis, adenomyosis, fibroids, there's a functional aspect, a physical aspect that's taking place. That's a separate issue. The vast majority of women who are not suffering with those physical obstructions in the uterine wall, um, the cramps are really this hormonal issue where you're eating bad fats and boosting the production of the wrong PGE. Wow. Amazing. I think that that's a really- Get rid of your cramps. I was going to say, I think that's a great, uh, great news for a lot of women listening. Yeah, no. And and this is what I think women love so much about the MyFlow app is anytime you have a symptom, you plug it in, Mm -hmm. you click on it and it will tell you why. Why are you having the symptom? Because guess what? None of them are actually mysterious. That's the other big myth about our period. Oh, wow. Like- hormones are mysterious and Hmm. there's we don't understand why you're having these symptoms not true so (laughs) you can learn in real time as you're experiencing a symptom like cramps or why do i break out on my chin during ovulation Mm -hmm. why is that acne different from the acne that i have before my period start right and not only is it going to tell you why from a functional medicine point of view but it's going to give you that quick food fix that you can start experimenting with right then and there, which I think is just so empowering. Absolutely. We actually already answered several questions that my followers submitted for for you to answer. So yeah, it's been great. Um, But one question that that was asked that I'm also very curious about is, is it important to switch all your beauty and hair skin products to be clean products? A hundred percent. So important because your skin is your largest organ of elimination. And if you are absorbing an enormous amount of chemicals onto your skin, they're really going to end up having to be something that your liver processes. And that's, of course, just going to take time and real estate away from you breaking down estrogen. That's the first piece. The second thing, of course, is that a lot of these chemicals are endocrine disruptive. 
So it's really, really important to go clean and green with your products. It's very easy to do. I mean, 20 years ago, there were not a lot of options. Now the the clean beauty market is enormous. And to the extent that keep in mind, the founder of Sephora looking at this clean beauty market decided that um, after he sold his company, um, he started Credo Beauty, which is the the Sephora alternative for clean beauty. So if you want to know which products you have from Sephora that you want to switch over to clean, they have a whole widget on Credo to help you make that decision and to tell you about the ingredients and they've taken all the guesswork out of it for people. Amazing. Um, Another question is how does being on the pill for seven to 10 years impact pregnancy chances? I think that it really comes down to what were you on the pill for? right? So if you were on the pill for that much time, because you had a pre-existing hormonal issue that you were using that to quote unquote treat, and let me be clear, the pill does not cure or fix your period problems. In fact, any sort of birth control that you're taking, um, whatever breakthrough bleed you're having is not actually a period, right? Because Mm -hmm. it shuts off your ovulation. So if you had irregular cycle, or PCOS or other issues, and then you went seven to 10 years without doing anything to get at the root causes, it's not so much that the pill is necessarily affecting you one way or the other from a fertility point of view, but what is affecting you is that all those root causes, all the blood sugar instability, all the inflammation, all the micronutrient depletion from being on the pill, that that is its own separate issue, which I'll speak to in a second, that you're going to have to deal with as soon as you go off of it. And that will deplete your fertile factors. The the one way that the pill can definitely impact fertility is that if you aren't taking supplements alongside that medication, which we know depletes key micronutrients, especially ones that your endocrine system needs for optimal hormone balance and fertility, you're then going to have to do a lot of that triage after. So uh, the balance supplements that I created um, for Flow Living are something that I love recommending to women who are trying to recover from micronutrient depletion, whether that be just what you believe is your general lifestyle or because you've been on, let's say, synthetic birth control and you want to really recover. Um, Being that I am seven weeks postpartum, are there specific supplements that I should be taking due to any type of micronutrient depletion? Are you breastfeeding? I am. That's wonderful. So (laughs) when you are pregnant and breastfeeding, you want to stick with the clean trifecta, which is prenatals, omega-3s, and probiotics, right? Okay. As soon as you're done breastfeeding... then you can start doing all sorts of things to replenish yourself. (laughs) What you want to do for replenishment now is not so Mm -hmm. much from the micronutrient point of view, um, because you're going to get a good array of that from your prenatal, the omega-3s and the probiotics. You want to eat like an athlete, especially because you're breastfeeding and you need, you know, your body's burning more calories per day. You need Mm -hmm. more calories to make breast milk. A lot of women feel like they struggle with breast milk production, but they're also dieting, trying to get their bodies right. back, and it right. doesn't work. The, the, the breast milk will d- suffer, right? right? So there's a great couple of books that I recommend for postpartum recovery. One I wrote the forward to, it's by Kimberly Johnson. Yeah. It's called The Fourth Trimester, okay. and this will help you with 
really making sure that you understand how to care for your physical body those first yeah. three months, three to four months after you give birth. I recommend women read it before they give birth because you know how hard it is to find the um, time. You can yes. listen to her audio book too. Perfect. The second book is really about what to eat. And it's a cookbook called The First 40 Days. And this is by Hang Fu Ou. I'm probably mispronouncing her name. Forgive me, yeah. Hang. I love your book. I talk about it all the time. She really has captured recipes that are going to deeply replenish your body from the big hormonal experience of 3D printing a tiny human being, yeah. labor, which for some women is vaginal, but yeah. other women is surgical, right? C-section yeah. is not right. a minor procedure. Mm -hmm. like they make it out to be. Right. Um, and then of course, having the newborn who's awake all the times so you're sleep deprived and the breastfeeding if you are doing that. So you really want to power eat and you want to use deeply restorative foods. So bone broth, lamb stew, beet, your version of red meat, right? Whatever that is for you. Yeah. High fats, fatty fish, mm -hmm. avocados. You do not want to have raw foods for the first three months postpartum, you really want to use warming foods. And this comes from ancient Chinese medicine, which yeah. is really important because actually what you do in those first three months postpartum really determines how well you will age hormonally according to that Chinese wow. medical point of view. Um, and I think that's really valuable because it, what we're talking about in the modern sense is if you don't replenish what was lost, that depletion, postnatal depletion can linger and cause other perimenopause issues later on. Yeah. And so you want to take care of yourself and your ovaries and your hormones because you are the mom and you are important to so many people. Right. So really dialing in your self-care is critical. Um, so the other question about birth control that someone asked is what are the effects of birth control on muscle growth? So the, some of the studies, um, really show that birth control can really mess with your metabolism and can cause you to gain fat and um, not be able to, you know, maintain your lean muscle capacity. So I think that it's important to know that if you're someone who is in fitness, for example, I'm assuming yeah. that person is in fitness who's asking that question, um, yeah. you know, you've got to make those decisions wisely about what are yeah. your goals and then, you know, why are you using that medication? So many women are put on this medication at such a young age that they mm -hmm. just aren't even at an age where they would question like, is this right for me? Yes. And so you, it's, if you haven't asked that question for yourself, it's time to look into it. In fact, I'm very proud to be part of a new documentary that Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein have put together called The Business of Birth Control. It's launching soon. Oh, because she had the business of being born. That's right. right. Okay. And so she really wanted to unpack this medication and its effects. So I would highly recommend you check them out. There's a lot of information out there to learn about what you need to know before you say yes to all that medication. Right. Because, yeah. and, and fundamentally what I like to say about it is, listen, if you were told at 13 or 12, whenever mm -hmm. your sex ed class was that what was happening to you from the pubescent point of view was that you were going from a circadian only biological clock to a dual yeah. biological clock system where you have a circadian and an infradian clock. And this infradian clock is gonna give you huge advantages. But instead of you feeling the same every day, which is what the circadian clock makes you do, right? Yeah. It's different week to week, but it's a predictable four-part pattern. And all you have to do is just change your self-care habits from being the same every day 
to having four patterns throughout the month. And if you do that, you will thrive throughout your reproductive years. If that's what you were told at 12, you would be excited, proud, and into nurturing this cycle and taking care of it because you knew it, you would know from the beginning that it was an asset, not a liability, but that's not what we're told. And so because we're not told that when someone says, Oh, you know, your period's the worst thing ever. It's going to make you (laughs) suffer. And then they say, here's a medication that will shut it off. You're like, yep, great. I'll have that. Right. And then that's it. And then that's it. So Mm -hmm. it's, such a sad thing because the cycle and your hormones, it's such an asset biologically for that you have. And the, any sort of synthetic birth control shuts it off between your brain and your ovaries. It shuts off the infradian process. You're not even the same you cognitively. Dr. Sarah Hill wrote a book called Your Brain on Birth Control. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not yourself. Huh. So what you create, your thoughts, it's not you. It's such a huge opportunity cost for women to consider taking that medication. I think it bears each individual really researching, do they want to go down that rabbit hole or not? And if, if you do, that's fine, but do everything that you can to support yourself while you're taking that very powerful medication. And I will say one last thing about it, which is there was a male study done on male hormonal birth control. Yes. There was a, there were a few men, maybe two dozen men, within the first two weeks, they all started experiencing the same things that all women have experienced when they onboard to this medication, mood swings, weight gain, um, you know, irritability, headaches, fatigue, and they all quit. And the study was shut down. And it was just decided that it was unfeasible for men to be asked to use synthetic birth control to control um, pregnancy but you are asked to tolerate that. You're not even asked. You're not even asked. You're, you're in, a, in a lot of ways, you're just gaslit to say, oh, it must be in your head. Mm-hmm. So those are my two cents. <laughs> I mean, and this, I feel like could be a whole nother podcast episode we, because yes. this also goes into that there's not a lot of funding into women's health issues and, you know, for, yeah, right. And there's just not, yeah, there's very little done about it because men don't have to deal with it. Right. And when they do, they shut it down. Right. So I speak a lot about that in the new book, In the Flow. We do have, unfortunately, institutionalized gender bias and it affects us um, in the way that we uh, experience our health and experience what we have access to as far as solutions. But I think it's the messaging that's so critical. Every woman should be given that right information at nine, at 11, that you're about to have this powerful thing turn on in your body and you become a force of nature. If you were told that at that time, the whole trajectory of your life would be different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Elisa, I have two more questions for you. So one is the name of the podcast is Your Best Life, which the whole point of that is that we all have our own different version of what a best life is. There's no one best life. So if you had to pick something in your life that contributed to allowing you to live your best life, what would that be? I mean, well, I can't pick one, but certainly yeah. hugs yeah. from my daughter are like top of my Aww. list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. Sure. Okay. Um, but also like walks in nature and um, yeah, and doing work that I love. Yeah, absolutely. And my last question for you is where can people find you, follow you and get your books? So you can, if you need help with your hormones, come to flowliving.com. We have 
you know, like I said, digital courses, supplements, the app and flow live one-on-one -on -one coaching virtually to help you. If you are like excited about the infradian rhythm and you're ready to start living um, an infradian life in a circadian world, come join the thousands of women around the world who are doing that at the cyclesyncingmembership.com. And if you want to download the app, you can do that at myflowtracker.com. It's the circle icon, not the feather. And you can get the books wherever books are sold. The first one is called Woman Code. The second one is called In the Flow. We have a whole bunch of really cool free gifts because the book just launched in January. So if you go to intheflowbook.com with your purchase code, you can get all these great downloads of starting your infradian lifestyle there. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Flow Living and at Alisa.bd. Amazing. Alisa, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. And I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. Thanks for having me, Anna. This is a <laughs> great, great chat. All right, guys. So that was my conversation with Elisa. Luca, what did you think? Was so much information. But I want to know what you think about the cycle thinking method and, you know, working out uh, kind of in syncing with your cycle. Yeah super interesting and i absolutely think that the whole idea behind like working out differently according to your cycle or eating differently according to your cycle um i'm sure that there is there's a, a point to it and i really want to dive deeper into um the infradian rhythm i hope i'm saying that correctly um yeah and i think that there has to be some something to it to like all these issues that women are having today Hey, listen, like it's a completely brand new concept to me. Like I've never heard about this, even in all of my TTC and unexplained infertility, you know, time and research, I've never heard anything about this infradian rhythm um, and kind of working out and doing things differently according to your cycle and being someone who does, you know, lean towards and tries to be as evidence-based as possible. You know, that's, I think for me, the, the main missing piece um, but I feel like this is also because there's not so much research out there. We kind of have to do it on ourselves, you know, like we have to be our own kind of, I don't want to say test subjects, but like, that's kind of how it should be anyways. Like as for every single person, man or woman, like you should try to be as in touch with your own body to understand how different things affect you. And the only way to know is just to, you know, give it a shot. And it's something that is worth it you know, like testing out and trying the whole, you know, different um, kind of cycle approach in this infradian rhythm, it's worth it to at least give it a shot and see if that's something that could be the solution to, you know, years of, of, you know, hormone issues and uh, all that stuff that goes along with it. So yeah, I totally agree. And Alisa also used a term that I really liked, and I think I'm going to start using it. She said, <laughs> Talking about creating life, creating a baby. She said, 3D oh printing God. human beings, which <laughs> yes. I've never heard of. I love it. I think I'm going to start using it. Like, you know, oh you gosh. guys really 3D print humans. It's, it's, right. I like the term. Actually, when she said that, it did kind of catch me off guard a little bit. I was like, wait a minute. I've never heard it said that way before. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We would love to hear what you think about it. Like I said, this is such a new concept even to me. So let me know in the Facebook group or on Instagram. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.
And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.